0: Section fifteen of Marty and a Voyage Thither, Volume two. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by James K. White. Marty and a Voyage Thither, Volume two. By Herman Melville. Chapters seventy one through seventy five chapter 71 a book from the ponderings of old bardiana now said babalanja lighting his trombone as we sailed from the isle who are the monsters we are the cripples you yourself are a monster for asking the question said mohi and so to the cripples i am though not old man for the reason you mention but i am as i am Whether hideous or handsome, depends upon who is made judge. There is no supreme standard yet revealed whereby to judge of ourselves. Our very instincts are prejudices, saith Alla Molala. Our very axioms and postulates are far from infallible. In respect of the universe mankind is but a sect, saith Deloro, and first principles but dogmas. What ethics prevail in the Pleiades? what things have the synods and sagittarius decreed never mind your old authors said media stick to the cripples enlarge upon them but i have done with them now my lord the sermon is not the text give ear to old Bardiana. i know him by heart thus saith the sage in book Ten of the ponderings zermalmende the title je pense the motto my supremacy over creation boasteth man is declared in my natural attitude i stand erect but so do the palm trees and the giraffes that graze off their tops and the fowls of the air fly high over our heads and from the place where we fancy our heaven to be defile the tops of our temples belike the eagles from their aries Look down upon us, Mardians, in our hives, even as upon the beavers in their dams, marveling at our incomprehensible ways. And cunning though we be, some things hidden from us may not be mysteries to them. Having five keys, hold we all that open to knowledge? Deaf, blind, and deprived of the power of scent, the bat will steer its way unerringly. Could we? Yet man is lord of the bat and the brute lord over the crows with whom he must needs share the grain he garners we sweat for the fowls as well as ourselves the curse of labor rests only on us like slaves we toil at their good leisure they glean mardi is not wholly ours we are the least populous part of creation to say nothing of other tribes a census of the herring would find us far in the minority And what life is to us, sour or sweet, so is it to them. Like us, they die, fighting death to the last. Like us, they spawn and depart. We inhabit but a crust, rough surfaces, odds and ends of the isles, the abounding lagoon being its two-thirds, its grand feature from afar, and forever unfathomable. What shaft has yet been sunk to the antipodes? What underlieth the gold mines? But even here above ground we grope with the sun at meridian. Vainly we seek our northwest passages, old alleys and thoroughfares of the whales. O men, fellow men, we are only what we are, not what we would be, nor everything we hope for. We are but a step in a scale that reaches further above us than below. We breathe but oxygen. Who in Arcturus hath heard of us? They know us not in the Milky Way. We prate of faculties divine, and know not how sprouteth a spear of grass. We go about shrugging our shoulders, when the firmament arch is over us. We rant of etherealities, and long tarry over our banquets. We demand eternity for a lifetime, when our mortal half-hours too often prove tedious we know not of what we talk the bird of paradise outflies our flutterings what it is to be immortal has not yet entered into our thoughts at will we build our futurities tier above tier all galleries full of laureates resounding with everlasting oratorios paternosters forever or eternal misereres, forgetting that in mardi our breviaries oft fall from our hands but divans there are some say whereon we shall recline basking in effulgent suns knowing neither orient nor occident is it so fellow-men our mortal lives have an end but that end is no goal no place of repose whatever it may be it will prove but as the beginning of another race we will hope joy weep as before though our tears may be such as the spice-trees shed. Supine, we can only be annihilated. The thick film is breaking, the ages have long been circling. Fellow-men, if we live hereafter, it will not be in lyrics, nor shall we yawn and our shadows lengthen while the eternal cycles are revolving. To live at all is a high vocation. To live forever and run parallel with Oro may truly appal us toil we not here and shall we be forever slothful elsewhere other worlds differ not much from this but in degree doubtless a pebble is a fair specimen of the universe we point at random peradventure at this instant there are beings gazing up to this very world as their future heaven but the universe is all over a heaven nothing but stars on stars, throughout infinities of expansion. All we see are but a cluster. Could we get to Bootes, we would be no nearer Oro than now. He hath no place but is here. Already in its unimaginable roamings our system may have dragged us through and through the spaces, where we plant cities of beryl and jasper. Even now we may be inhaling the ether which we fancy seraphic wings are fanning. But look around. There is much to be seen here and now. Do the archangels survey aught more glorious than the constellations we nightly behold? Continually we slight the wonders we deem in reserve. We await the present. With marvels we are glutted till we hold them no marvels at all. BUT HAD THESE EYES FIRST OPENED UPON ALL THE PRODIGIES IN THE REVELATION OF THE DREAMER, LONG FAMILIARITY WOULD HAVE MADE THEM APPEAR EVEN AS THESE THINGS WE SEE. NOW, NOW THE PAGE IS OUTSPREAD, TO THE SIMPLE EASY AS A PRIMER, TO THE WISE MORE PUZZLING THAN hieroglyphics. THE ETERNITY TO COME IS BUT A PROLONGATION OF TIME PRESENT, AND THE BEGINNING MAY BE MORE WONDERFUL THAN THE END then let us be wise, but much of the knowledge we seek already we have in our cores, yet so simple it is we despise it, so bold we fear it. In solitude let us exhume our ingots, let us hear our own thoughts. The soul needs no mentor but oro, and oro without proxy. Wanting him it is both the teacher and the taught. Undeniably, reason was the first revelation, and so far as it tests all others, it has precedence over them. It comes direct to us without suppression or interpolation, and with Otto's indisputable imprimatur. But inspiration, though it be, it is not so arrogant as some think. Nay, far too humble at times; it submits to the grossest indignities, though in its best estate not infallible so far as it goes for us it is reliable when at fault it stands still we speak not of visionaries but if this our first revelation stops short of the uttermost so with all others if often it only perplexes much more the rest they leave much expounded and disclosing new mysteries add to the enigma fellow men THE OCEAN WE WOULD SOUND IS UNFATHOMABLE. AND HOWEVER MUCH WE ADD TO OUR LINE, WHEN IT IS OUT, WE FEEL NOT THE BOTTOM. LET US BE TRULY LOWLY, THEN, NOT LIFTED UP WITH A pharisaic HUMILITY. WE CRAWL NOT LIKE WORMS, NOR WEAR WE THE LIVERIES OF ANGELS. THE FIRMAMENT ARCH HAS NO KEYSTONE, LEAST OF ALL IS MAN ITS PROP. HE STANDS ALONE. We are everything to ourselves, but how little to others? What are others to us? A sure life everlasting to this generation and their immediate forefathers, and what tears would flow were there no resurrection for the countless generations from the first man to five cycles since, and soon we ourselves shall have fallen in with the rank and file of our sires at a blow, annihilate some distant tribe now alive and jocund. And what would we wreck, curiosity apart, do we really care whether the people in Bellatrix are immortal or no, though they smite us? Let us not turn away from these things if they be really thus. There was a time when, near Cassiopeia, a star of the first magnitude, most lustrous in the north, grew lurid as a fire, then dim as ashes, and went out now its place is a blank. A vast world with all its continents, say the astronomers, blazing over the heads of our fathers, while in Mardi were merry-makings and maidens given in marriage. Who now thinks of that burning sphere? How few are aware that ever it was. These things are so. Fellow-men, we must go and obtain a glimpse of what we are from the belts of Jupiter and the moons of Saturn, ere we see ourselves aright the universe can wax old without us, though by Oro's grace we may live to behold a wrinkle in the sky. Eternity is not ours by right, and alone unrequited sufferings here form no title thereto unless resurrections are reserved for maltreated brutes. Suffering is suffering, be the sufferer man, brute or thing. How small, how nothing, our deserts, Let us stifle all vain speculations. We need not be told what righteousness is. We were born with the whole law in our hearts. Let us do, let us act, let us down on our knees. And if, after all, we should be no more forever, far better to perish meriting immortality than to enjoy it unmeritorious. While we fight over creeds, ten thousand fingers point to where vital good may be done. All round us want crawls to her lairs, and, shivering, dies unrelieved. Here, here, fellow-men, we can better minister as angels than in heaven, where want and misery come not. We Mardians talk as though the future was all in all, but act as though the present was everything. Yet so far as, in our theories, we dwarf our Mardi, we go not beyond an archangel's apprehension of it, who takes in all suns and systems at a glance. Like pebbles, were the isles to sink in space, Sirius the dog-star would still flame in the sky. But as the atom to the animalculi, so Mardi to us. And lived aright, these mortal lives are long. Looked into, these souls, fathomless as the nethermost depths fellow-men we split upon hairs but stripped mere words and phrases cast aside the great bulk of us are orthodox none who think dissent from the grand belief the first man's thoughts were as ours the paramount revelation prevails with us and all that clashes therewith we do not so much believe as believe that we cannot disbelieve Common sense is a sturdy despot, that for the most part has its own way. It inspects and ratifies much independent of it. But those who think they do wholly reject it are but held in a sly sort of bondage, under a semblance of something else wearing the old yoke. "'Cease, cease, Babbalanja,' said Medea, and permit me to insinuate a word in your ear. You have long been in the habit, philosopher, of regaling us with chapters from your old Bardiana, and with infinite gusto you have just recited the longest of all. But I do not observe, O sage, that for all these things you yourself are practically the better or wiser. You live not up to Bardiana's main thought. Where he stands, he stands immovable. But you are a dog-vane. vain. is this? Goggle goggle, fugle fee, fugle Fogel orum. Madman again, cried Yoomy. Chapter 72 Babbalanja Starts to His Feet. For twenty four hours, seated stiff and motionless, Babbalanja spoke not a word, then, almost without moving a muscle, muttered thus At banquets, surfeit not, but fill. Partake, and retire. And eat not again till you crave. Thereby you give nature time to work her magic transformings, turning all solids to meat, and wine into blood. After a banquet you incline to repose. Do so. Digestion commands. All this follow those who feast at the tables of wisdom. And all such are they who partake of the fare of old Bardiana art resuscitated then babbalanja said media ay my lord i am just risen from the dead and did Azageti conduct you to their realms fangs off fangs off depart thou fiend unhand me or by oro i will die and spite thee quick quick mohi let us change places cried yoomy how now babbalanja said media Oh, my lord, man, not you, my lord, media, high and mighty puissance, great king of creation, thou art but the biggest of braggarts. In every age, thou boastest of thy valorous advances. Flat fools, old dotards, and numbskulls, our sires. All the past wasted time. The present knows all. Right lucky fellow beings, we live now. Every man, an author. Books plenty as men, strike a light in a minute, teeth sold by the pound, all the elements fetching and carrying, lightning running on errands, rivers made to order, the ocean a puddle. But ages back they boasted like us, and ages to come, forever and ever, they'll boast. Ages back they blackballed the past, thought the last day was come, so wise they were grown. Marty could not stand long, have to annex one of the planets, invade the great sun, colonize the moon. Conquerors sighed for new Martys, and sages for heaven, having by heart all the primers here below. Like us, ages back, they groaned under their books, made bonfires of libraries, leaving ashes behind, mid which we reverentially grope for charred pages, forgetting we are so much wiser than they. But amazing times, astounding revelations, preternatural divulgings—how now? More wonderful than all our discoveries is this, that they never were discovered before. So simple, no doubt our ancestors overlooked them, intent on deeper things—the deep things of the soul. All we discover has been with us since the sun began to roll, and much we discover is not worth the discovering we are children climbing trees after bird's nests and making a great shout whether we find eggs in them or no but where are our wings which our forefathers surely had not tell us ye sages something worth an archangel's learning discover ye discoverers something new fools fools marty's not changed the sun yet rises in its old place in the east all things go on in the same old way. We cut our eye-teeth just as late as they did three thousand years ago. Your pardon, said Mohi, for, me they are not yet all cut. At three score and ten here have I a new tooth coming now. Old man, it but clears the way for another. The teeth sown by the alphabet founder were eye-teeth, not yet all sprung from the soil. Like spring wheat, blade by blade they break ground late. Like spring wheat, many seeds have perished in the hard winter glebe. O my Lord, though we galvanize corpses into St. Vitus's dances, we raise not the dead from their graves. Though we have discovered the circulation of the blood, men die as of yore. Oxen graze, sheep bleat, babies bawl, asses bray, loud and lusty as the day before the flood. Men fight and make up, repent and go at it, feast and starve, laugh and weep, pray and curse, cheat, chaffer, trick, truckle, cozen, defraud, fib, lie, beg, borrow, steal, hang, drown. As in the laughing and weeping, tricking and truckling, hanging and drowning times that have been. Nothing changes. Though much be new-fashioned, New fashions but revivals of things previous. In the books of the past we learn naught but of the present. In those of the present, the past. All Marty's history, beginning, middle, and finis, was written out in capitals in the first page penned. The whole story is told in a title page. An exclamation point is entire Marty's autobiography. "'Who speaks now?' said Media. Bardiana, Azegeri, or Babalanja? All three. Is it not a pleasant concert? Very fine, very fine. Go on and tell us something of the future. I have never departed this life yet, my lord. But just now you said you were risen from the dead. From the buried dead within me, not from myself, my lord. If you then know nothing of the future, did bardianna if he did not did he reveal i have ever observed my lord that even in their deepest lucubrations the profoundest frankest ponderers always reserve a vast deal of precious thought for their own private behoof they think perhaps that tis too good or too bad too wise or too foolish for the multitude and this unpleasant vibration is ever consequent Upon striking a new vein of ideas in the soul. As with buried treasures, the ground over them sounds strange and hollow. At any rate, the profoundest ponderer seldom tells us all he thinks, seldom reveals to us the ultimate and the innermost, seldom makes us open our eyes under water, seldom throws open the totus in toto, and never carries us with him to the unconsubsistent, the idia imanens, the superessential and the one confusion remember the quaeterminateatives ah said braidbeard that's the crack in his calabash which all the disciples of dox-dox will not mend and from that crazy calabash he gives us to drink old mohi but never heed his leaky gourd nor its contents my lord let these philosophers muddle themselves as they will we wise ones refuse to partake. "'And fools like me drink till they reel,' said Babbalanja. "'But in these matters one's calabash must needs go round to keep afloat. Fogleorum. Chapter 73 At last the last mention is made of old Bardyana, and his last will and testament is recited at length. The day was waning, and as after many a tale of ghosts around their forest fire, Hungarian gipsies silent sit, watching the ruddy glow kindling each other's faces, so now we solemn sat, the crimson west our fire, all our faces flushed. Testators, then cried Medea, when your last wills are all round settled, speak and make it known. Mine, my lord, has long been fixed said Babbalanja. And how runs it? fugle fogle. Hark ye, intruding Azzageddi, rejoin thy merry mates below. Go there and wag thy saucy tail, or I will nail it to our bow till ye roar for liberation. Be gone, I say. Down, devil, deeper down, rumbled Babbalanja. My lord, I think he's gone. And now, by your good leave, I'll repeat old Bardiana's will. It's worth all Mardy's hearing, and I have so studied it by rote I know it. Proceed then, but I must trust that Azageti is not yet many thousand fathoms down. Attend, my lord. Anno Mardis, fifty million O.S. I, Bardiana of the island of Vamba and village of the same name having just risen from my yams, in high health, high spirits, and sound mind, do hereby cheerfully make and ordain this my last will and testament. Imprimis. All my kith and kin being well to do in Marty, I wholly leave them out of this my will. ITEM Since, in diverse ways, verbally and otherwise, my good friend Pondo has evinced a strong love for me, bardiana as the owner and proprietor of all that capital messuage with the appurtenances in vamba aforesaid called the lair wherein i now dwell also for all my breadfruit orchards palm groves banana plantations taro patches gardens lawns lanes and hereditaments whatsoever adjoining the aforesaid messuage, I do hereby give and bequeath the same to Bombloom of the island of Ada, the aforesaid Bombloom having never expressed any regard for me as a holder of real estate. Item. My esteemed neighbor, Lacrimo, having since the last lunar eclipse called daily to inquire after the state of my health, and having nightly made tearful inquiries of my herb doctor concerning the state of my viscera, i do hereby give and bequeath to the aforesaid lacrimo all and sundry those vegetable pills potions powders appearance purgatives expellatives, evacuatives tonics emetics cathartics clysters injections scarifiers cataplasms linatives lotions decoctions washes gargles and fledgemagogues together with all the jars calabashes gourds and gallopots thereunto pertaining situate lying and being in the west by north corner of my east southeast east crypt in my aforesaid tenement known as the lair item the woman Pesty, a native of vamba having oftentimes hinted that i Bardiana, sorely needed a spouse and having also intimated that she bore me a conjugal affection i do hereby give and bequeath to the aforesaid Pesti, my blessing forasmuch as by the time of the opening of this my last will and testament i shall have been forever delivered from the aforesaid pesties persecutions item having a high opinion of the probity of my worthy and excellent friend bididi i do hereby entirely and wholly give will grant bestow devise and utterly hand over unto the said bididi all that tenement where my servant Orem now dwelleth, with all the lawns, meadows, uplands and lowlands, fields, groves and gardens thereunto belonging, in trust nevertheless to have and to hold the same for the sole use and benefit of Lanbranca Hohenna, spinster, now resident of the aforesaid island of Vamba. Item I give and bequeath my large carved drinking-gourd to my good comrade Topo. Item. My fast friend Doldrum, having at sundry times and in sundry places uttered the prophecy that upon my decease his sorrow would be great, I do hereby give and bequeath to the aforesaid Doldrum ten yards of my best soft tappa, to be divided into handkerchiefs for his sole benefit and behoof. Item my sensible friend solo having informed me that he intended to remain a bachelor for life i give and devise to the aforesaid solo the mat for one person whereon i nightly repose item concerning my private arbor and palm groves adjoining lying and being in the isle of vamba i give and devise the same with all appurtenances whatsoever to my friend menta the cynic to have and to hold in trust for the first through and through honest man issue of my neighbor mondi and in default of such issue for the first through and through honest man issue of my neighbor Pendetta. and in default of such issue for the first through and through honest man issue of my neighbor winodo and in default of such issue to any through and through honest man issue of anybody to be found through the length and breadth of mardi item my friend menta the cynic to be sole judge of all claims to the above-mentioned devise and to hold the said premises for his own use until the aforesaid person be found item knowing my devoted scribe marco to be very sensitive touching the receipt of a favor i willingly spare him that pain and hereby bequeath unto the aforesaid scribe three milk-teeth not as a pecuniary legacy but as a very slight token of my profound regard item i give to the poor of vamba the total contents of my red labelled bags of bicuspids and canines which i account three-fourths of my whole estate to my body-servant fiddy my staff all my robes and tongas and three hundred molars in cash to that discerning and sagacious philosopher my disciple craco one complete set of denticles to buy him a vertebral bone-ring, and to that pious and promising youth Vanji, two fathoms of my best kaiar rope, with the privilege of any bow in my groves. All the rest of my goods, chattels, and household stuff whatsoever, and all my loose denticles remaining after my debts and legacies are paid, and my body is out of sight, I hereby direct to be distributed among the poor of Vamba. Ultimo. I give and bequeath to all marty this my last advice and counsel vitallicit live as long as you can close your own eyes when you die i have no previous wills to revoke and publish this to be my first and last in witness whereof i have hereunto set my right hand and hereunto have caused a true copy of the tattooing on my right temple to be affixed during the year first above written by me bardiana babbalanja that's an extraordinary document said media bardiana was an extraordinary man my lord were there no codicils the will is all codicils all afterthoughts ten thoughts for one act was bardiana's motto left he nothing whatever to his kindred not a stump prom his will he seems to have lived single yes Bardiana never sought to improve upon nature a bachelor he was born and a bachelor he died according to the best accounts how did he depart babbalanja asked mohi with a firm lip and his hand on his heart old man his last words calmer and better where think you he is now in his ponderings and those my lord we all inherit for like the great chief of Ramara, who made a whole empire his legatee, so great authors have all marty for an heir. Chapter seventy-four: A death cloud sweeps by them as they sail. Next day, a fearful sight. As in Sulu's seas, one vast waterspout will sudden form, and whirling chase the flying Malay keels, so. Before a swift-winged cloud, a thousand prows spread by, leaving braided, foaming wakes. Their crowded inmates' arms, in frenzied supplications, wreathed, like tangled forest boughs. "'See, see!' cried Yoomy. "'How the death-cloud flies! Let us dive down in the sea.' "'Nay,' said Babbalanja, "'all things come of Oro. "'If we must drown, let Oro drown us.' down sails drop paddles said media here we float like a rushing bison sweeping by the death cloud grazed us with its foam and whirling in upon the thousand prows beyond sudden burst and deluges and scooping out a maelstrom dragged down every plank and sole long we rocked upon the circling billows, which expanding from that centre dashed every isle till moons afterward faint they laved all mardi's reef thanks unto oro murmured mohi this heart still beats that sun-flushed eve we sailed by many tranquil harbors whence fled those thousand prows serene the waves ran up their strands and chimed around the unharmed stakes of palm to which the thousand prows that morning had been fastened flying death they ran to meet it said babbalanja but tis not that they fled. They died. For maelstroms of these harbors the death-cloud might have made. But they died because they might not longer live. Could we gain one glimpse of the great calendar of eternity, all our names would there be found glued against their dates of death. We die by land and die by sea. We die by earthquakes, famines, plagues, and wars. By fevers, agues, woe or mirth excessive this mortal air is one wide pestilence that kills us all at last whom the death-cloud spares sleeping dies in silent watches of the night he whom the spears of many battles could not slay dies of a grape-stone beneath the vine-clad bower he built to shade declining years we die because we live but none the less does babbalanja quake and if he flies not, tis because he stands the centre of a circle, it's every point a level dart, and every bow bent back, a twang, and Babbalanja dies. CHAPTER 75 THEY VISIT THE PALMY KING ABRASA Night and morn departed, and in the afternoon we drew nigh to an island overcast with shadows. A shower was falling and pining plaintive notes forth issued from the groves, half-suppressed and sobbing whisperings of leaves. The shore sloped to the water. Thither our prows were pointed. Sheer off, no landing here, cried Medea. Let us gain the sunny side, and like the carefree bachelor of Brassa, who here is king, turn our back on the isle's shadowy side, and revel in its morning meads. And Lord Abrasa, who is he? asked yumi The one hundred and twentieth in lineal descent from Fipora, said Mohi, and connected on the maternal side to the Lord signors of Clavonia. His uttermost uncle was nephew to the niece of Queen Smiglandi, who flourished so long since she wedded at the first transit of Venus. His pedigree is endless. But who is Lord Abrassa? Has he not said? answered babbalanja why so dull uttermost nephew to him who was nephew to the niece of the peerless queen smiglandi and the one hundred and twentieth in descent from the illustrious Vipora. will none tell who Abrasa is can not a man then be described by running off the catalogue of his ancestors said babbalanja or must we e'en descend to himself then listen dull Yumi and know that lord abrazza is six feet two plump thighs blue eyes and brown hair likes his bread-fruit baked not roasted sometimes carries filberts in his crown and has a way of winking when he speaks his teeth are good are you publishing some decamped burglar said media that you speak thus of my royal friend the lord Abrassa. go on sir and say he reigns sole king of Bonavona, my lord. I had not ended abrasa Yumi is a fine and florid king, high-fed and affluent of heart, of speech, mellifluent, and for a royalty extremely amiable. He is a sceptred gentleman who does much good, kind king in person he gives orders for relieving those who daily dive for pearls to grace his royal robe and gasping hard with bloodshot eyes come up from shark infested depths and fainting lay their treasure at his feet sweet lord abrazza how he pities those who in his furthest woodlands day-long toil to do his bidding yet king philosopher he never weeps but pities with a placid smile and that but seldom. "'There seems much iron in your blood,' said Media. "'But say your say.' "'Say I not truth, my lord. Abrasa I admire. Save his royal pity, all else is jocund round him. He loves to live for life's own sake. He vows he'll have no cares, and often says, in pleasant reveries, "'Sure, my lord Abrasa, if any one should be care-free, tis thou.' who strike down none but pity all the fallen yet none he lifteth up at length we gained the sunny side and shoreward tended vivi's horn was sonorous and issuing from his golden groves my lord abrassa like a host that greets you on the threshold met us as we keeled the beach welcome fellow demigod and king media my pleasant guest his servitors salaamed, his chieftains bowed his yeoman guard in meadow green presented palm- stalks, royal tokens, and hand in hand the nodding, jovial regal friends went up a lane of salutations, dragging behind a train of envyings, much we marked abrassa's jewelled crown that shot no honest blaze of ruddy rubies, nor looked stern white like mythia's pearls, but cast a green and yellow glare rays from emeralds crossing rays from many a topaz in those beams so sinister all present looked cadaverous abrazza's cheek alone beamed bright but hectic upon its fragrant mats a spacious hall received the kings and gathering courtiers blandly bowed and gushing with soft flatteries breathed idle incense round them the hall was terraced thrice its elevated end was curtained and thence at every chime of words there burst a girl gay-scarfed with naked bosom and poured forth wild and hollow laughter as she raced down all the terraces and past their merry kingships wide round the hall and avenues waved almond woods their whiteness frosted into bloom but every vine-clad trunk was hollow-hearted hollow sounds came from the grottoes Hollow broke the billows on the shore, and hollow pauses filled the air, following the hollow laughter. Guards with spears paced the groves, and in the inner shadows oft were seen to lift their weapons and backward press some ugly phantom, saying, "Subjects, haunt him not." Abrassa would be merry, Abrassa feasts his guests. So banished from our sight seemed all things uncongenial and pleasant times were ours in these dominions. Not a face passed by, but smiled. Mocking-birds perched on the boughs, and singing made us vow the woods were warbling forth thanksgiving with a thousand throats. The stalwart yeomen grinned beneath their trenchers, heaped with citrons, pomegranates, grapes. The pages tittered, pouring out the wine, and all the lords' loud laughed. Smote their gilded spears and swore the isle was glad. Such the isle in which we tarried, but in our rambles found no Yillah. End of section fifteen. Recording by James K. White, Chula Vista.